0: Can we say hi to our podcast listeners? Someone's listening out there to us because we're seeing the hits, and someone's listening to our messages. I don't know. Apparently, when we get the uh, the tally, they're from Brazil, the Italy, and and uh, America, and England, and Australia, and even the Central Coast. Even people from Central Coast are listening to us. You you couldn't believe it, could you? Uh, This message is called "There, but for the grace of God, go I." I like to think our messages have a continuity, a continuity. Thank you, Julie. And, and, you know, we like to build and really took a lot of effort yesterday to prepare this message. I basically knew where I was going, but it was really hard to apprehend and, and to get some clear lines. And so I just want you to... Hear me out a little bit this morning, a little bit line by line. I want to build a case. I want to allude to the fact that we're doing Vision uh, Sunday on the 26th. Hillsong are doing theirs today. and uh, But on the 26th, for us, we're going to, again, speak to you about vision. Without vision, we're basically, the Bible says, we're dwelling carelessly. Uh, we're ungovernable. People don't want to serve. They don't want uh, you know, to be in rank and file. They don't want to be a team and... and Without vision, all that happens. Another version says we perish without vision, you know. And, and really, basically, there's no discipline in our life of how we spend our life when we've got no vision. And we spend our money on waffles, ice cream, and bananas at, um, at that chocolate place in Westville. What was it, Brenner's? Someone dared me to go to Brenner's. I'm not a chocolate guy. I go there, and uh, I just I ne- never do this, by the way. I'm really very, you know, I'm really very... Um, Uh, you know I'm not one to spend uh, on on radical stuff but I I was with Cameron I went up to Max Brennan and I just looked at that blackboard man and I'm just those beautiful girls are just wanting to to bless us with with all these sweets and niceties and and I couldn't help it someone said and and I kept on hearing someone said that they had these waffles with bananas and strawberries and, and and ice cream and that was just going through my head and uh, Gemma, my daughter, gone there for the 16th, I think. And um, and I just don't know what come into me. But I just saw the picture and then faith. I, I, and, 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 you know, because you can't, re- you can't receive grace without faith. So I'm sort of redeeming myself a little bit there. But anyway, so I saw the picture and I said, I'm going to buy one of those. I don't know about you, Cameron. Cameron's trying to push back. I don't know. He's... You know, he said, "No, no, look, I'm cool. I'll just have a coffee." I said, "Come on, man! You know, I'm going to shout you." And uh, and he said, oh, "All right, then. You know, I'll have one of those too." So, you know, <laughs> quite a few dollars later, um, we were really quite happy, weren't we? And hoping that our wives weren't going to see us. <laughs> so we had to pay the waiter off. No, we didn't. And um, but you know what? Uh, ordinarily I'm fairly disciplined with my finances because uh, uh, I've got vision uh, I'm willing to do without food I'm willing to do without clothes anything to give to God and to fulfill the vision on my life do you know what I'm saying? so I want to allude to vision and I want to allude to the fact that um, about being relentless you know being, being just continual in your efforts towards God and how is that possible we've heard the stories of this church how did you guys do it I cannot believe it well I want to I want to tell you and share with you something of that nature of how we did it and uh, of course last week we talked about uh, to kick off our 2012 we talked about a heart that puts him first in our thoughts our words our finances and in your career your family and in your relationships. And uh, we talked about first priority in everything. And we talked about uh, just, just put God first. And look, Andrew's absolutely right. Things will go absolutely amazing for you. Now, in that, we've got to anticipate what God's going to do for this year because we have faith, we have anticipation of what God's going to do. Are you a little bit about, you know, are you, have you got anticipation for 2012 to be a better year and, and to secure more of your inheritance? Spiritually, physically, you know, God's got so much more for you. It's for the taking, but there is a game plan. I want to tease that out. Um, you probably want to ask, um, well, ha- how are we going to do this? And, and you've probably not even lived this life of faith and of grace. You, you've never really stepped out of the boat for a church. You've always been a bystander, a spectator. You've always just, just come and sat and it's been good. And you've enjoyed seeing a lot of good stuff happen. But I think it's days these days for God, for you, to to enlist in the army of the Lord. To enlist in this great... Because God's accelerating His plans. Prophetically, God is saying, I'm accelerating my plans and purposes all over the earth. I'm wanting everyone to engage. I'm wanting everyone to, to assume their right posture in me. And with faith, apprehend, grace, to do beyond what they can do even. To do stuff beyond what they can do. Because you'll never do this in the natural. You've got to step out and into grace. And I want to propose to you that grace is God's empowering Holy Spirit enabling. To do in you beyond what you can do in the natural. That's exactly how I'm standing here. This is not the natural me. The natural me is a completely different version than the person that's standing here right now. Who can believe that? So I want to share a little bit about that. Again, the message is called, There but for the grace of God go I. How did we get get to this place now? There but by the grace of God, we went. We went. This is how we got here. By grace. That's all I can say. It wasn't because of our ingenuity. It was just because of a relentlessness in God. To take God by His word and see God build a church. And uh, it's been a most amazing journey thus far. There's a scripture, and uh, we don't have to jot it down, but Ecclesiastes 7, eight says, finishing is better than starting. And um, some of us didn't start real well, but hey, we're going we're gonna to finish well. Who wants to finish well? And we don't want to burn out too. We don't want to spend ourselves and get cranky we don't want to get you know we just don't want to stop serving god and say that's it Uh, i I just need to walk along the seashore collecting seashells and retire now and and uh, i don't think i'll ever do that i don't think i'll ever be one to walk along the seashore collecting seashells holding my oh we'll hold julie's hand but it won't be perpetually walking to whom retired enjoying nothingness. I just don't think I can do that. What about you, Jules? I, I want to serve God right to the end. I want to hear that. Well done. <laughs> Julie's having to think about that. <laughs> I could do it a little bit of that. <laughs> I want to I I go to the end and I want, I, want, I want this to happen. I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Who's with me on that at least? Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's going to happen to Frank. Don't you reckon? <laughs> These remarkable words, good and faithful servant. How do we do it? How do we live this relentless life? Okay, you can take some notes now. Why is it so important to be relentless, to be persistent, to be enduring, persevering? Why is it? The New Testament tells us that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, born-again believers, are not going to finish well. Hello? I said, the New Testament, even the words of Jesus says, a lot of believers, church attending, even Spirit-filled, Bible-reading people, are not going to end well. Look at Solomon. Solomon had such a great start. His father gave him such David, King David, such a great inheritance. But he married all these different wives and uh, these other women they served foreign gods and eventually Solomon capitulated and he began to serve these foreign gods and he went downstream into uh, the false gods uh, world so we don't want to do that we want to continue to row upstream into the Lord and we want to be relentless we want to continue to do what he's called us to do through vision and we want to meet Jesus at the end where he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Who's with me on that one? Can I read you something? A prophetic vision a man of God had. Can I read you this? Is this cool? A man of God had a vision of a man rowing a boat against the river's strong current. He was straining hard to advance against the flow of the water. A tough task, but doable. Other boats bigger and luxurious and containing... Parties of people frequently passing him, flowing downstream. The people on these boats were laughing, drinking, and at ease. Occasionally, they would look over at the man battling the current and mock him. He had to fight for every inch of progress while they did absolutely nothing for theirs. After a while, the man grew weary of pressing against the current. Tired and discouraged, he put his oars up. For a few moments, he continues to drift upstream from the momentum, but soon came to a standstill. Then something sad and terrible happened. Those, st- uh, those still pointed upstream, his rowboat began to drift downstream with the current. Soon the man noticed another party boat. The one was different from the other party boat, for like his own rowboat, this party boat also was pointed upstream yet was flowing downstream with the current. This this boat also carried people who were laughing, socializing and at ease. Since it was pointed upstream, the direction the man had wanted to go, he decided to hop on and join with them. They now became a close-knit group, unlike the other party boats that faced and traveled downstream. This boat pointed upstream, but sadly, It continued flowing downstream with the current. And it says this what is the interpretation of this vision? He believed the river represented the world, and the rowboat is our human body that enables us to live and function in this world. The man in the rowboat is a believer, his oars symbolize God's unmerited grace. The party boats depict those joined in one purpose and the river's current represents the flow of this world which is under the sway of the evil one. By the oars of grace, the man has the ability to resist the current and move upstream to his destiny in advancing the kingdom of God. His physical strength represents his faith. Sadly, his strength wanes and he grows weary of the faith. He doesn't think he has what it takes when in reality he does. Consequently, he eventually runs out of steam and quits. Once the man quits rowing, the boat continues moving forward upstream for a short time due to sheer momentum. And this is where deception moves in. He still sees some fruit in his life even though what produced is no longer propels him. He erroneously thinks he can live at ease, no longer alert and vigilant, and still lead a successful Christian life. While the boat does point upstream, it looks fine, a good Christian appearance, but in reality we are conforming to the world. I mean, I read that a couple of days ago, I read it again yesterday. And it uh, really stirred me up and I thought, yeah, I've got grace to share that. 1 John 2.14 says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. 1 John 2:15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. 17 The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I tell you this fact that we at C3 desire to do the will of God that lasts forever. You know, the stuff that lasts forever is the stuff that you do for eternity's sake. It's the stuff that you do for eternity's sake—the saving of souls, the building of church, the serving of God's kingdom—is for eternity's sake. The other stuff, well, I'm not sure. But I had this—I uh, had this revelation that <laughs> that even some music wouldn't even wouldn't even get into heaven. I thought of some music. I'm not going to mention any worldly music, but. Um, i 'm thinking that there 's some music that s- seems like down here its longevity is perpetual, but can I propose to you that I even think there 's some music that won 't enter into heaven because it 's not done unto the glory of God. Do you know what i 'm saying? Even some movies. Could you imagine some of the movies that have been made up in heaven? No way. <laughs> So I just thought that, I still haven't worked that one out, what God's saying to me. The apostle talks about pressing towards the prize. Philippians 3.14 says, I press, I press, I press, I press on, toward, forward that is, the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I'm talking about this relentlessness. The apostle John wrote, 1 John 2.16, practically everything that goes on in the world, Wanting your own way. (laughs) This is a real powerful version of this. There could be a a lighter version, as I said, on Facebook. But 1 John 2.16 says, Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. 17, the world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set For eternity. This vision describes, he says, this man of God, he believes, this vision describes three types of people. The believer, the unbeliever, and the deceived. The believer, the unbeliever, and the deceived. And he talks about, you know, I guess those ones who I think they're right think they're in a good place but probably not here's some little tests for you two corinthians 13 5 says test yourself to make sure you are solid in the faith don't drift along taking everything for granted don't drift along man i love drifting (laughs) i do i just i love momentum i love sailing i went sailing once had no idea what sailing was and i i love sailing i love being in a boat and sailing i love that no effort sort of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? But sometimes you gotta put You gotta put effort. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Another good checkup of Scripture, I'm using a few different versions here this morning, but uh, in the T V it says, another good checkup of Scripture is this. Lift up your tired hands then, and strengthen your trembling knees. Keep walking on straight paths. <laughs> here it is. Guard against turning back from the grace of God. So we don't want to get into this works thing, and I'll tease that out a little, little bit, a bit later. We've got to stay in grace land. We've got to finish well. We've got to receive grace. We, we we don't want to put our oars up. We don't want to drift downstream in the currents of the world system. We need we need to take stock of ourselves and realise, you know, are we are we positioned right and are we going upstream? Are we going forward in Jesus' name? Solomon actually, you know, he he had a big blowout in the, the last you know years of his life, and of course it affected his children and Bible says his children's children for me i want to stay strong for my children's children i want to stay strong to the end i want to be relentless i want to be relentless what is a relentless spirit let's check this out it's an attitude a posture it's a it's a resolution a persistence a, an unyieldingness it it does not relent or concede it's steadfast unstoppable That's how we've been here for 15 years, every Sunday, every Sunday, almost every Sunday, except for two or three, we've been here every Sunday. It's been unstoppable. We haven't conceded. Is that right, guys, pioneers? Our posture, our attitude, it's resilient, it's resolute, it's persistent, it's unyielding, it's tenacious. We don't do every month. We don't do every fortnight. We do every week. We do every Sabbath. That's our... That's what we're doing, and unfortunately, there's a great big trend sweeping the world where people are so busy now and are caught up in the fast lane of life, and they are not finding time to cut out of the fast line, lane and find their time in the house of God every Sunday. But I, man, if I continue to drive my car around for, you know, without pulling into a gas station, I know where I'm going, nowhere. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to pull into the gas station. You've got to rest your soul. You've got to come under the shadow of the Almighty and bring your family in there. Stop being busy on Sunday. Stop living the anguish of life and perpetuating all your grief and your your pushing and your pressing in and your struggle and striving. Stop letting your family live under that, my God. Businessmen, people, families, whatever. Come out of that. Come out of that and come into the presence of God. And abide in the presence of God. Even right now your children are being blessed, I'm sure. Jesus, because he's inside us and because of grace, we can be relentless. He was. And he wants us to be relentless. He wants us to fulfill what he's got called for us to do in these days. Does it surprise you that the Father has plans for you? Does it surprise you that God has a plan for you? Psalm 139 verse 16 It must amaze you that God has got your entire life mapped out prior to even your birth. The psalmist declares, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He's got good, I I refuse to believe that he has written you in his book. And he said, ah, just sad life. I mean, normal life for this one. This one can just take it easy. Look, I can see their temperament. Their personality is given to being easygoing. Look, I'll just write a nice life for that one. Just a nice life. God's on a mission to save this planet. And, uh, you know, I know any site foreman, if he's building something, he sees you sitting on your rusty-dusty, you're sacked. So on this planet, one of our huge purposes in life is the mission. To redeem mankind. Everyone's got a job to do. Is that cool? It's a most dramatic life of going against the current of the world, the world's values, the systems that would cause us to be, I guess, unselfish. Yeah, I'll say that again. He is calling us to a most dramatic life of going against the current of the world against the values and the systems that would cause us to be selfish and independent from God. Again, his word talks about uh, relentless, this relentless word talks about us being overcomers in Hebrews 12.1. He exhorts us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. That that word, perseverance, can I use relentless endurance, the race marked out for us. There's no other way to run this race, my friends. You, 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 can't, you can't do it with just happiness, purpose, or, or some seriousness, you know, those virtues are great, but, but it says run, not with happiness, run with seriousness, run with joy, it says run with relentlessness, with perseverance, with endurance, run. Hebrews twelve one, another version says this, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins, it says in the message. (laughs) Who's got the message Bible at home? Who reads that every now and then? Basically, we're called to rule and reign in life. An overcomer. You were created to make a difference in the world. You're a child of the king, destined to rule on his behalf. The key the kingdom is in your pocket. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at this remarkable life as a relentless believer. Let's look at Romans 5.17 in the TV. It says, all who receive God's abundant grace. So I'm coming to the subject matter of grace now. You're telling me to live, Pastor Phil, a most remarkable life, stepping out of the boat, living by faith in grace, being an influence, knowing God, letting God known, as we said, which was the theme of the year. I have not lived such a life. I have been in church a long time. I've been in Christendom a long time. I have not engaged on such levels. Help me. Help me. How can I avail myself? How can I allow Jesus to say those words at the end of my day? Good and faithful servant, come on in into this rest. How can I engage the vision that C3 will be uh, propositioning on the 26th. How can I do this? Uh, Look, you called, you got faith, you you radical. Uh, That's not for me, but can I say to you that God, each and every one of us, have got stuff that we can do. We have abilities that can be brought to bear, but only by the grace of God, my friend. Not in the natural. Some people say, I have natural gifts to do this. Uh, We've had great musicians up here. Man, I know more chords than anyone I know. But it's just a clang and gong, man. We, we had one guy, we had to sit, we're going, what is, the music was fantastic. Now we've got, what, what's happening? And we realize that he wasn't functioning in grace. He wasn't functioning in the anointing. He wasn't functioning by the Spirit of God. It was his own flesh. So God's not asking you to serve in the flesh. God's asking you to serve in the empowerment of grace. So where does it say that? It says it here in Romans five seventeen. All who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with Him will rule in life through Christ. Uh, the Apostle John, and I've got to quicken this up now, 1 John 2, 6. The Apostle John made a strong statement to all, all of us as part of the body of Christ. He says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. He was an overcomer. Christ ruled. He ruled over his opposition, over his adversary. He set the benchmark. He said, look, you can overcome life. You can make a difference by grace. Jesus became a mere man. And he emptied himself of all his deity and all his power. And he enabled himself to receive the Holy Spirit without measure. Amen. And he said, you can do that too. I I just showed you how to do it. I'm just a mere man, but because now I'm living a holy life, righteous in God, hearing God, knowing God, loving God, praying to God, worshiping God, giving to God, now I am clothed. The Bible says he was so pure, so holy, he was endowed, he was imbued with power from on high in the Holy Spirit, without measure. So wherever he went, demons were flying, cities were turned upside down, people were healed, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to rule in life in our personal life bring that to bear in the church and shine that light to the people outside this church who desperately need to see the signs and wonders of God working through his people where's the power source come from you're asking how to how do we rule in life? Where does this power come from? The power source. Okay, Romans 5.17. Can you give me another five minutes? All who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with Him will rule in life through Christ. They did a survey in America. They questioned all these born-again believers and uh, the church attenders. They, they, you know, and they, they did a survey. And they asked them, please um, give us three or more definitions of the descriptions of grace. What does grace mean to you? A lot of people said, salvation. Grace means to me salvation. And another group said unmerited gift. And another said forgiveness of sins. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 2 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, as Luke said this morning, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If I can finish this message, I will thank God all day. Ephesians one seven says again, I'm just build because I need to build this line by line. Someone's listening to me on podcast, but you're listening to me, I hope. Salvation is received. These people were right. What did they say grace was? Salvation is a free gift. It's absolutely right. It's the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. As Luke Eagle said through the communion, it's a free gift. We should be so thankful of that free gift. Ephesians one seven in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace, these are riches. This is like, can we be thankful this morning? And if we could put a big treasure chest with rubies and diamonds and sapphires and, and gold and ha, huh, spilling out over it, and it was this huge, you'd go, yeah, man, I'm thankful. Give me one of those. Give me, a, give me a loaf of bread. Give me a. Go. I'm so thankful for the abundance of the salvation. If you could see it, you would really be thankful. Not like, oh, I guess I'm, this is a religious thing, I've got to, you know, got to guess I take this, I guess I'm thankful, yeah, jeez, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but if we could show you the immensity of the inheritance that you received by cross and the Calvary, Calvary of Christ, I mean, come on. You, if you could see this wondrous thing, you would go, my God. If we could show you the lotto check, $30 billion, Apparently you too, guy, made the wise investment in the uh, in the Facebook shares. He invested some millions of dollars, and Facebook floated their shares. He uh, he, he he earned two billion dollars in his investment. Two billion. Imagine that. I bet he's a happy chappy. Praise God, he'll do good with it. I know that. Bono, he's going to do good with that. My, uh, the. Bon- 2 Corinthians 12.9, My grace is all you need, for my power is greater when you are weak. The word weak as it's used in that 2 Corinthians 12.9 message means inability. I have no ability. I I, I can't engage the vision of this church. I I don't have anything. Trust me, you don't want what I got. it's It's not pleasing, it's not good. I don't have the perfect voice. I don't have the perfect musicianship. I don't have the perfect smile to be at the door. I, I can't do the multimedia. I, I can't serve at the, uh, the sound desk. I, I can't give. I can't pray. I can't give. I just can't. Word weak, as used in this two Corinthians twelve nine passage, means inability. God is saying, my grace power is optimum when you face situations that are beyond your ability to handle. This is seen in Paul's comments regarding Macedonian believers. We make known to you, it says to Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 3, it says there, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. For I bear witness that according to their ability, see through Tugra, yes, and beyond their ability, they gave and they built a church in Tugra. They gave. God's grace had made it possible. For C3 Tugra and the Macedonian Christians to go beyond their own ability. That's grace and that's the empowerment we're talking about. It's all in grace. Peter defines the grace of God in this way. 2 Peter 1.2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I love this stuff. 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power. Or can I say Grace has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Again, grace is referred to as His divine power. Peter is saying that everything needed for us to live as God intends is available through the empowerment of His grace, which we have received by faith. I've done it. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that Barnabas arrived at the church of Antioch at C3 Tugra and saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad. Acts 11.23. He didn't hear about the grace. He saw the evidence of it. He saw the empowerment. Of heart that was reflected in how the people lived their lives, he came and he saw C3Tugger feeding the homeless in Gosford. He saw them serving the youth of this generation. He saw them giving to the missions of Thailand and of Africa. He came and he saw the goodwill of the people giving radically. He came and saw the people worshiping God. He came and saw families on fire for God. He came and saw a church imbued in the power, but by the grace of God. That's why James writes, Show me your faith or grace without your works, and I will show you my faith, my grace, by my works. James 2.18. James is basically saying, Let me see the evidence of the empowerment, which is the true indicator that you've really received grace through believing. A definition of grace could go like this. Grace is God's free empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. You can stand. God bless you. John 1.16 says, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. I'll say it again. John 1.16, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And folks, this is your homework. Remember it. Grace allows us to be partakers of the divine nature of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 to 4. If you want to live a holy life, an empowered life, a godly life, a a relentless life, a a life of faith in grace. If you want to live in grace land and bring out all these abilities that you don't even know yet. But by the power and the grace of God, you can offer that to the Lord God. In your weakness, He's strong. See, i got... I got a testimony. I I couldn't even speak in public. (laughs) But God apprehended me, and I felt the grace of God. I felt the anointing of God. And I, some man of God up in Newcastle, Mark Zaire, said, I just want you to give me five minutes' testimony. I was going to Bible college at the time, and I was nervous. I'd never spoken about the God factor, hardly anything in public. And I said, well, for God, I'll do it. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to say it but I'll do it God and I stood there and I felt myself being clothed in power I felt grace enabling me to speak coherently Smith Wigglesworth's wife said when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost and he began to preach this Sunday and he always used to stutter and his wife said that ain't my Smith that ain't my Smith what has happened to him He was baptized in the Holy Spirit in Sunderland in England. He'd been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He literally had lost his stuttering. He became a coherent, non-stammerer of the gospel. Raised 30 people from the dead. Started his ministry when he was 48. Lived to 84. Died in the pulpit. Just about as he was going to get up to preach in this church. Boom. He died in the pulpit. That's how I want to go. Relentless, preaching the gospel, building the church, saving souls, releasing the kingdom in grace, not by our own strength. I do not want to lift my oars up, even uh, during my Christmas break. I'm careful. I'm keeping those beautiful big oars in the water. Yeah, you got to paddle, you've got to press in towards the prize, but those oars are so huge they deep and just just the stroke. Just the stroke. And man, you're going against the stream. All the values and the systems of the world. And you're going upstream in God. Let's do that. Let's continue to let's continue to go against the all the stream and all the corruption and all the pollution and all the systems and all the values of this world. Let's 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 go against the grain. Let's go against the stream. Let's go up into the city of God and let's show the world what it means to function in the grace of God. Let's sing for a moment. God bless you, church. God bless you. Let's give it up for the Lord.